And is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. So appreciative of what I feel in the building tonight. Thank you, Jesus. One more time, if you could lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone lift your hands and lift your voice. Thank you, Jesus. I believe the Lord wants to minister tonight in such a deep way. There's going to be a challenge and an invitation that's given in a moment. But right now, would you lift your hands? We love you, Jesus. God, I don't ever want to take your presence for granted. I don't want to get spoiled by the presence of God. I don't want to feel entitled. I want it to move me, God, when your presence manifests. I want it to invoke a response, God. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. You've been good to my family. You've been good to this church. I believe there needs to be some worship of gratitude right now of how good God has been. That he brought you through the valley. He brought you through the wilderness. He brought this church through a season that maybe you thought you'd never get through. And we can look back over and say, God was always there. Somebody shout yes. Come on, shout it again. Shout yes. And someone asked me one time, money always get people to shout yes. And I simply says, because it's better than shouting no. I want to say yes to what God wants to do tonight. Come on, I didn't come to just play church, but I've come to see what God can do with his people bind together and say, we're going to take the limitations off. We're going to take away our preconceived idea. I have no assumptions tonight, but I simply want to see God do what only God can do. Turn to someone and say, welcome to the greatest church in the entire world. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. Philippians chapter 3, if you don't, I know they'll have it on the screen. If you're here tonight and this is your first time, I want you to know that this is a place that you can call home. Your family can call home. Most importantly, this is a place where anyone can go to heaven from. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of, who preaches the truth, who is leading you in the right direction. And I assure you that you're in a safe place tonight. And I believe tonight God is going to do some amazing things. If you are here tonight and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you've never received the Holy Ghost, tonight is a great night for that to happen. Amen? Come on, I need some people that remember what it was like the first time it happened to you. Say, that would be a great thing to happen tonight. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, I give honor to Pastor Stevenson and Sister Stevenson. I so appreciate them so very much. Thank you for trusting me tonight. You have an amazing pastor, first lady, wonderful first family. Aren't you thankful for your pastor? I'm not real sure what parish we in. What parish we in, Pastor? Catahoula. I'm from down south. All I know is about Washington Parish, but you got to believe that you have the greatest pastor in Wallace Ridge. 
you got to believe that you got the greatest pastor in Catahoula Parish, in the state of Louisiana, in the United States of America, in North America, in the Western Hemisphere, on planet Earth. And if there be another church on another planet somewhere, you have the greatest pastor in the universe. Aren't you thankful for your pastor tonight? Amen. So I give him and his family honor. I so appreciate the opportunity to be here. Also, I want to give my pastor honor, Pastor Travis Houston. Love and appreciate him so very much. And also my wife, I give her honor. She is not able to be with me tonight. She's kind of limited right now. Uh, her traveling and just overnight trips are kind of tough. If you didn't know, she is 34 weeks pregnant. Our first child is coming November the 6th. In Jesus' name. Going to have a son, and I'm telling you, I am counting down the days, hours, minutes, seconds. I cannot wait. I go in the nursery probably five or six times a day, and some days I walk in there, and I go, I get emotional. I'm like, oh, we're about to have a kid. Then I go in there and go, oh, God, we're about to have a kid. There's going to be someone that I'm responsible for, so I appreciate your prayers, but we are excited about that. Uh, I wish she could be here with me. I know she would love to be here. This is like her old summer grounds. Womack and Barbara family are family to her, so I know that she wishes she could be here, but she sends her love and wanted me to tell everyone hello. Philippians chapter 3. I believe God has sent me here tonight with a word to challenge the people of Wallace Ridge. Philippians chapter number 3. There's going to be an invitation that's given at the conclusion of this service. This, this word may sting. It may challenge, but I know that I've heard from God, and I'm going to do my best to deliver what God has spoken to me. Philippians chapter number 3, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He said, but what things were gained to me, those things I counted for loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all those things but for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, but I count them but done. If you don't know what dung is, ask your parents after church. That I may win Christ. He says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Verse number 10. He said, all of that to say this right here, that I may know him. Somebody say, know him. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I'm going to draw my title from verse number 10. I feel such a burden in my spirit. Not only is this my heart's cry tonight, but I believe that there's a challenge going out in the spirit to this great church. That I may know him. Is there anybody in this room that you're just not satisfied with your relationship with God, but you know that there's more? Come on, aren't you thankful that you serve a God, the Bible says, of exceeding greatness, which means there is no end to the greatness of God. Aren't you thankful that there are depths in God that you haven't been to? And I don't know about you, but there's an insatiable desire in my heart that I want more of God. I want more of his presence. I want more of his spirit. So for the next few moments, I'm going to preach simply on that, that I may know him. Before you see that one more time, if you can lift your hands. Begin to lift your voice. Pastor, would you pray over this service?
Amen. Someone shout in Jesus' name. Turn to someone close to you. Give a high five. You may be seated. Since I can remember, I can all, I've always loved the game of basketball. Some of my earliest memories of my childhood involved playing what I think is the greatest sport in the entire world. I don't have a lot of hobbies. Perhaps the only one I have is I like to play pickup basketball as often as I can, not just for exercise, but for me, it just kind of feels like therapy. I just enjoy playing. Growing up, there was a certain player that quickly became my favorite player. Please pardon this analogy, but I believe it's fitting for what I'm trying to illustrate. His name was Kobe Bryant. To say that Kobe Bryant was my favorite player would probably be the biggest understatement of the year. I had his jersey. I can remember being in the sixth grade, and I wore the white Kobe Bryant jersey for pitcher day with a white turtleneck and my Kobe Bryant shoes in the summertime or in the August, September time. It was hot. But Pastor had on a long sleeve turtleneck and my Kobe Bryant jersey. I had cut my own hair. My mom was a nervous wreck, but it was picture time, and I wanted to wear the jersey because he was my favorite player. I simply didn't just watch him play. I studied his game. I would sneak, uh, sneak up and stay up late because they were in Los Angeles, and they were three hours behind. And so I would stay up late when my parents would go to sleep, and I would cut the TV on and mute the TV to watch the games because that's how much I loved watching him play. On January the 26th, 2020, his life was tragically cut short as he died in a helicopter crash along with his daughter, Gianna, and several other people. I can remember when the alert popped up on my phone. I was eating lunch in Hammond, Louisiana with one of my dear friends, Pastor Josh Payne, and I can remember when the notification appeared on my screen that he had passed away. I immediately almost kind of felt sick to my stomach. I thought to myself that this cannot be true. He seemed invincible when he played. I know it seems silly to some, but just indulge me for just a moment. When I discovered the news were true, I, I remember almost feeling like I needed to fight back tears because since I was in the fifth grade, I watched every single game that he played. I was in awe of his ability to show up in the biggest moments, in the biggest ways. I was amazed by his work ethic. He, in my opinion, was one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. And oddly enough, I can tell you more about him than I probably should be able to. I know that his full name is Kobe Bean Bryant. He was born on August the 23rd, 1978. His birthday was just a few weeks ago. He would have been 42 years old. I can tell you that his wife was named Vanessa. His father was named Joe, and his mom was named Pam. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he went to Lower Marion High School. His senior year of high school, he led his team to a 38-2 record, winning the state championships while setting most of the high school records that year. I can tell you that he was selected in the 1990s. 96 draft by the Charlotte Hornets, traded one month later to the Los Angeles Lakers for Vadi Divac. He went on to win five championships with the Los Angeles Lakers. I probably should know all about that about one man, but before I got in the church, I was a bit obsessive about basketball. But the harsh reality is this, is that even though I knew a lot about Kobe Bryant, I really did not know him. You see, in order to know someone, that means you have a relationship with them. So even though I could tell you a lot about him, I really never knew him. Because there is a major difference in knowing about someone and personally knowing them. 
And my heart is so burdened tonight because I feel that there may be a lot of people in this room who can tell you a lot about Jesus, but I don't really know if they truly know him. They may be able to tell you that his mother was named Mary and his father named Joseph. They may be able to tell you that he was born in Bethlehem. If they're real, if they're real in depth to what they know, they may be able to tell you the name of some of his siblings. They may be able to tell you that he lived for 33 and a half years before dying on the cross for the redemption of the world. They may know some of the highlights. They may know some of the miracles he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there is a major difference in knowing about someone And truly knowing them. Information about God will never be a match for intimacy with God. To know someone, as I said just a moment ago, means that you have a relationship with them. And in order to have a relationship with anyone, it takes two things. Number one, it takes time. And number two, it takes communication. Knowing someone requires time spent with them and communication spent speaking with them. Spending time with someone and communicating with that person is the only way to truly know them. And the only way the church can know God on a personal level is we must spend time with him and we must communicate with him. There is a reason that out of everyone on planet earth that my wife knows me more than anyone else. Why? Because for the last four and a half years we have been married. We have spent almost every single day together. And if we were not together physically, I made it a point that we have never gone one day without communicating with each other. There has never been one day in our marriage in which we did not communicate. And through spending time together and communicating with one another, she knows me now more than anyone in the world. The same applies to our relationship with God. The people that know him the best are the ones that spend the most time with him and the ones who communicate with him the most. There is no other way. I wish there was a shortcut. I wish I could tell you that there was another way. But there is no other way for someone to know God than to spend time with him and to talk to him. That is why it should be the heartbeat of every Christian that I want to know God on a deep and a personal level. That is why it is absolutely imperative if we are going to be a child of God that we must spend time with Him and we must communicate with Him. In our opening text that we read, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, he said that I may know him. It's important to understand the context of this verse. We must understand that this is not the words of someone who is unsaved and desiring to be saved. No, this is the prayer of someone who is saved, but they are not satisfied. May all of us bear the testimony that yes, we are saved, but I am not satisfied with what I have right now. I want more because more is available to me. Furthermore, this is the Apostle Paul who declares that I may know him. If anyone in the New Testament knew Jesus Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. After Jesus Christ, Paul is the primary figure of the New Testament. He personally authored over 60% of the books that we read in the New Testament. It was the Apostle Paul who God led into a desert and stayed there for three years as God gave him revelation after revelation. It was Paul that had so much revelation that he said that there had to be a thorn in my flesh. Second 
2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I don't know about you, but I've never had that testimony that God gave me so much revelation that he had to give me a thorn to keep me balanced. But Paul said, I had so much revelation that God had to put a thorn in my flesh to keep me balanced. But yet the same man who had the abundance of revelation said, I want to know him because revelation should increase an appetite for a relationship. This same man wrote this over 25 years after his conversion, after 25 years of being in the church, after 25 years of being a missionary, after 25 years of starting multiple churches, after 25 years of seeing miracle, after miracle, he said, my number one desire is I want to know God. And I believe that the Apostle Paul possessed a desire. I believe that all of us tonight should possess that same desire. Jesus, I want to know you more than I want to know anybody. I want to know you. That I may know him. My prayer tonight is that before you leave, that something is deposited into your spirit, that it would create an insatiable desire for more of God. So we must ask ourselves the question in the onset of this message, do we know God or do we just know a lot about God? Do we know God or do we just know a lot of people who know God? The only way to truly know him is we must spend time with him and we must communicate with him. Hosea said in chapter 4, verse number 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The prophet was saying people are destroyed for what they do not know. There is a reason that we are taught in school that knowledge is power because when you know something, it gives you power. But we've heard it our whole life. Sometimes it's not what you know, but sometimes it's who you know. And can I tell you, when you know Jesus, that is the greatest power afforded to humanity. That's what Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, said in Daniel chapter 11. He spoke about the end time, the spirit of the Antichrist. He said, and such that do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt by flatteries. Watch this. But the people that do know their God, they're going to be strong, and they're going to do exploits. This verse had a literal meaning, but it also had a prophetic meaning. There was an evil man in that day who was attacking the people of God. But he said, this is also going to be attached to the Antichrist. Christ, which would be at work in the last days. And I don't believe it takes a lot of spirituality to realize that this is the last days. And he said, this is what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to destroy the people of God. Four verses, four chapters later, he says, the enemy's going to try to wear out the saints of the Most High. But then he says this, but there is a group of people that he is not going to be able to destroy. There is a church in the midst of a pandemic that he's not going to be able to destroy. And it is the people that do know their God. They will be strong. Can I tell you, when you know God, there's no devil that can destroy you. 
Come on, I want to preach this to people right now that's been battling the spirit of fear. When you know who you serve and you know who your father is, the enemy can't touch you. He said there's going to be a group of people. They're going to know their God. And they're not just going to survive. They're going to thrive. They're going to be strong. And they're going to do exploits. The enemy cannot destroy your people who truly know who Jesus Christ is. Because if you know who he is, that means you have a relationship with him. And if you have a relationship with him, then you have a relation, revelation of him. And when revelation is paired with a relationship, the enemy cannot destroy you. I understand that this has been a crazy year. I understand that our world's in a mess. I know that we are worried about everything that's going on. And we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. But can I just give you a word tonight? You do not have to fear what you do not know because you can rest in the one in whom you do know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but there's one thing I know that Jesus is on the throne and everything's going to be okay. We must know him. I want everyone in the room to lift your hands. And I want you to make a simple declaration. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. There's a call from Jesus tonight to this church to know him in a deeper way. To not be satisfied with shallow surface level Christianity, but to have a true and an intimate relationship with God. The only way to know him, church, is we must spend time with him. And we must communicate with him. We communicate with him in prayer and spend the time in his word. That is the key. A couple of weeks ago is when God deposited this word in my spirit. I was driving and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, the reason so many people struggle is because they live by experience and not by relationship. God spoke to me and said, I give experiences as an invitation to a relationship. Experiences with God were meant to strengthen your relationship, not substitute it. We cannot settle for experiences with him on Sunday and Wednesday when he's given access to have a relationship with him. What do you mean by that, Brother Drew? What do you mean don't settle for experiences when you can have a relationship? I, I mean it like this. Why Why would you simply settle for experiencing healing when you could have a relationship with the healer? Why would you simply settle for a one-time experience at an altar where you experience salvation when you can have a relationship with the Savior? I don't want to just go from moment and moment to deliverance to deliverance. I don't just want to experience deliverance. I want to have a relationship with the deliverer. I don't want to be satisfied with just experiences because he gives experiences to cultivate relationship. He lets you taste taste the water, but he wants you to know that he is the well. He gives you a sample, but wants us to know that he is the source. We get to experience the loaves and the fish, 
But we must remember to pray that give us this day our daily bread. I know we get to come in church on Sunday and we see the miraculous. We see the loaves and the fish multiplied. But I'll tell you what's more powerful than the loaves and the fish is having daily bread because daily bread will always be more important than the miraculous loaves and fish. Only two times in the Bible do we see loaves and fish multiplied. But even Jesus said, you got to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. If I simply live by an experience, then I'll walk away when the experience is not there. But if I have a relationship with him, that I know it's every single day. I'm not just going to go from moment to moment, but I'm going to know him because knowing him is more powerful than just experiencing him. There's a reason that scripture often compares our relationship with God to a marriage. As I said a moment ago, I have been married now for four and a half years to who I believe is the most amazing woman in the world. We have a relationship. We have a very healthy Relationship. I don't just say that publicly. I sincerely mean that. We have a wonderful marriage. But it's because we have made it a priority to spend time together and to communicate with each other. But I can tell you this. Our marriage is healthy because we place a high priority, Pastor, on relationship and not just experiences. What does that mean? March the 25th, 2016 was one of the greatest days of my life. It was our wedding day. It was amazing to be surrounded by friends and family members. She wore the beautiful dress. I wore a nice suit, and it was the most expensive one hour of our lives. If you've been married, you'll get that. The wedding day is an experience. It's a moment I will never forget, but I don't get to live. On March the 25th, 2016. We left the next day, March the 26th. And from then until April the 2nd, we spent seven days in New York City. This was our honeymoon. It was the most incredible week of our lives. We lived like kings and queens. That week, we could eat whatever we want. I told her when we get home, it's back to Taco Bell. But right now, we're going to live like kings and queens. That was an incredible week. But on April the 3rd, something else happened. It was the day we started just regular day-to-day life in a marriage. Because marriage and a wedding day is not the same thing. The wedding day is an experience. The honeymoon is an experience. But a marriage is every single day. Some days it's just monotonous. Some days it's a normal Monday. Some days it's just a normal Tuesday. But we make it a priority that even when no one's around, we still communicate and we still spend time together. We can't just simply live by experience and I learned that a wedding is not a marriage and a honeymoon is not a relationship and when we no longer have the nice wedding clothes on and when we were no longer surrounded by people when we were no longer standing at an altar we had to make a decision to honor the vows that we made during the experience and learn how to cultivate a relationship because the relationship is spending every single day together not every day as I said it's going to be the wedding day but every day we make it an emphasis to focus on our relationship why? Because we desire to have a relationship, not simply live off an experience that happened four years ago. We must know God. The same applies to our relationship with God. Not every day is going to be a mountaintop experience. Young people, not every day is going to be youth camp and youth congress. Some nights is just going to be Sunday night. 
at your home church and there's not a guest speaker there and you're not going to have the music from youth congress it's just going to be your church and pastor's going to be preaching and the worship team is going to be singing but you have to understand that this is more important than just some experience that only lasts for three days in some big city in a football stadium we must have a relationship with god And when we begin to be driven by relationship and not by experiences, I promise you we will become healthier Christians and we will not be in this constant cycle of ups and downs. When we know him, when we have a revelation and a relationship with him, her life and everything will go much more smoothly. If anyone knew about the powerful experiences Moses did, it was Moses who experienced the miraculous survival in the Nile River when his mom placed him in a handmade basket. It was Moses that experienced the burning bush. It where God spoke to him through a bush that was burning but never burned. It was Moses who experienced the plagues that broke down Egypt. It was Moses that experienced the Red Sea and walking through on dry ground. It was Moses that saw the water coming from a rock and manna falling from the sky. Moses had a lot of amazing experiences. But Moses knew that experiences are amazing. But they're no substitute for a day-to-day relationship with God. And so when God is leading Moses to the promise led in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 9, And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, that the cloudy pillar descended, and he stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Somebody say, with Moses. He didn't just talk to Moses. They were talking with each other. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped every man in his tent door. Watch this, verse 11. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then in verse 12, Moses starts talking to God, and Moses said unto the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know how you will send me. Watch this, but yet you said, God, that you know me by name, and that I found grace in your sight. And since you say, God, that you know me, and I found grace in your sight, now this is what I want. Moses says, Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in thy sight, show me thy way that I may know you. Moses said, God, I know I've seen you do some amazing things, but more than just seeing a Red Sea parted and water come from a rock, Moses said, God, if you'll just grant me this one thing, I want to know you. I want to know you. Moses said, God, experiences are great, but I want more than that. I want a relationship with you because I've learned that a relationship will sustain you when experiences begin to cease. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 33 and 14. So God answers and said, and he said, my presence or my face will go with thee and I will give you rest. God told Moses, if you truly want to know me, then that's exactly what I'll do. I'll make sure that my presence goes everywhere that you go because if you desire to know me, I will give you a relationship and we will walk through this together. And watch what Moses says in the next verse. Moses, Moses told God, he said, good, because of your presence and go with me, then I don't want to go. What Moses was saying is I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than to go to the promised land without him. Moses says, I don't want another experience. I want a relationship. 
He said, I would rather have a relationship with God than to just simply have another experience. And when Moses focused on relationship instead of just experience, watch what happens in verse number 17, just two verses later. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, Moses said, well, since we're having this bargain, I've got another question. Will you show me your glory? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show my mercy. When you know God, you get to see the glory of God in ways that other people do not. And God will begin to reveal to you what he reveals to no one else. Can I tell you tonight, church, there is a glory that's only reserved for the people that really know their God. We must know him. And while I rejoice at the relationship that Moses had with God, sad reality is this, that most people in the Old Testament, they didn't have this type of relationship. The millions of people that Moses led, they didn't know God in the mission that Moses did. That's the reason that Moses was on the mountaintop getting the word from God, getting the two tablets of stone, and the children of Israel were standing around a going cab, worshiping a false god. Because when their pastor wasn't around, they didn't have a relationship to sustain them. They got impatient. They said, he's not coming off the mountain. And when their pastor was getting the word from God, because they had no relationship, they turned back to idolatry. And what's amazing to me is they were worshiping a golden calf. And when you study that ancient idolatry in Egypt, that is that is the God of fertility. Because here's what I've learned. When we don't have a relationship with God, we try to produce things in our flesh that we were never supposed to produce. We must have a relationship with him. So God is angry at the people and tell Moses, go down to your people that you brought from Egypt. He said, I don't know them because they don't know me. That's why in the Old Testament model didn't work. That's why in the Old Testament it didn't work in the kingdom of God because only a select few people could go beyond the veil and be in the presence of God. Only a select few people could be the high priest and really know God in a personal way. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil was rent from top to bottom. He wanted to open the door and let everybody know come in I want to have a relationship with everybody and now the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood first Peter 2 9 says we're all priests and this is the reality everybody has the same access to God but the difference between the people who have a stronger relationship with God and those who are weaker it's not just because they're a better person. No, it's because they take advantage of the access. We serve the same God that the pioneers of the faith serve. We serve the same God as Brother Barnes and Brother Pugh and Brother Kilgore serve. The problem is we don't spend as much time with him as they did. Because in order to have a relationship with someone, you have to spend time with them. And you have to communicate with them. We must know God. I want everyone in the room to close your eyes. We are in the last days, Wallace Ridge United Pentecostal Church. We are in the last days. 
And God is looking for churches that he can facilitate revival through. But he knows there's got to be someone he can trust that really knows who he is. So you have to ask yourself the question, sir, ma'am, do I really know God? Or do I just know a lot about God? I know that you've been around for 20, 30, 40 years, but are you still at the same place you were 15 years ago? Please, I don't mean to be mean, but I feel such a heaviness in my spirit. We must know him. Just a few more minutes and I'm going to close. The musicians can come. We must know Him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 that in the last days there's going to be people that go up to God and they're going to start listening. All the things that they've done for his kingdom. We cast out devils in your name. We prophesied in your name. And he's going to look at him and say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Religion is a poor substitute for relationship. And in Luke chapter 10, there's a story of two sisters. They're in the house, Mary and Martha. I'm sure you know the story. They're in the house, and Jesus comes by. And in those days, it was a very important priority for a woman or a lady when she had house guests to be hospitable. And so there was a high premium placed upon having an excellence of hospitality. So one sister is so busy making sure that she's working, serving in ministry. And the other sister, just laying at the feet of Jesus, And the sister who was busy in ministry complains to Jesus, tell my sister that she should be working with me. Martha was trying to impress Jesus with her ministry. But Mary just sat in his presence communicating with him and spending time with him. And while Martha was consumed with ministry, Mary was concerned with relationships. And Jesus looked at the one who was so focused on ministry and said that there's one thing that's needful. He said, I'm looking for people, Pastor, who value relationship more than just ministry. We must know Him in a deep and intimate way because ministry is no substitute for relationship. Ministry is supposed to flow from relationship. John chapter 13. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Verily I said unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked upon one another, doubting of whom he spake. But there was one disciple in verse 23, was leaning. There was this disciple who was just leaning on the chest of Jesus Christ. Because while the other 11 were worrying about who's going to be the betrayer, there was one who was worshiping. 
While the other 11 was busy asking questions, there was one named John who realized, I'm in the presence of God. I don't mean to be weird, Brother Blake. I know you're married and I'm married. But he laid his head upon Jesus' chest. And while other people may make fun of those kind of worshipers, the disciples said, let's ask John who the betrayer is. Because they knew that John had his mind in sync with the heart of God. And they said, if anybody knows anything about God, it's the person that puts a high premium on having a relationship with him. And so when they wanted to know something about God, they asked the man who had a relationship with him. The Apostle Paul said it, and I say it again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. My one simple desire is that I may know Him. I don't want to just go through the motions of church two times a week, three times a week. I want to really know God. I don't want to just go through the motions of singing the songs or reading the words on the screen. I really want to know God. And there are marriages that God's calling for tonight that says, I want to do more in your marriage. But first, you got to get to the place where you're hungry for me. I have prayed that there would become a dissatisfaction that would baptize this church that says, I know we've seen great revival, but I'm not going to be satisfied with what we've seen in the rear view. I want more of God. More. I want to know Him in a deeper way. I want everyone in the room one more time to close your eyes. If you're here tonight and you don't like where your relationship with God is, there's an invitation from the Spirit to come. Jesus is calling. The Bible says the Spirit and the bride say, Come. There's a dimension that God wants to take while it's for his church. I can tell you, I noticed a shift in the spirit from the last time that I was here. It's evident that you're making progress. But I'm telling you, God could blow your mind if the collective body of Christ would gather together and say prayer is going to be a priority. The word of God's going to be a priority. Being at the house of God's going to be a priority because I want to know God. I know you've been in the church for a long time, but have you grown comfortable with your relationship with Him? Or is there something in your spirit tonight that says, I want more of God? If that's you, I want you to come. If you're here tonight and you say, I want more of God, I want more, God. I don't want to just know about you, God. I want to know you. If you're here and you've never known God on a personal level, the invitation is still here for you. God wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. 
Come on, church, can you cry out tonight? <laughs> God, I know I've been in this my whole life, but God, would you stir up a hunger in my heart? I know I'm a Sunday school teacher. I know I may be an usher, but God, would you stir up my heart? I want to know you more.